Don't forget to check out our website, HockeyHurts.com, and check us out on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hertz. Additionally, you can follow Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stahl. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for March 23rd of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we will be talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, where they are as a team right now, where we see them going uh, in the playoffs, uh, discussing roster decisions, uh, what what players need to do what for them to have success, and uh, pretty much anything else we come up with. Um, So Cameron, how do you you see this team right now? Um, A mess. I suppose, um, and that mainly comes down to the fact that they're not healthy. Um, I think everyone knows that if this team loses anyone in the top six, it's going to struggle. Right now, they've got two of their top six players out, and you could probably say it's two of their most important top six. You've got Crosby and then Malkin and Hornquist. They're probably the three most important players in regards to how the team operates up front. They're missing those guys. Um You've also got two guys out of the lineup in in the back end in Derek Pouliot and Christian Erhoff. If they don't get healthy, they're screwed. That's probably the easiest way for me to look at it. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. I think up front uh, at the forward position, uh, they are a Crosby or Malkin injury away from being cooked. But you know that's the nature of a salary cap league. If you lose one of your big time guys, you're in trouble. But even, like you said, a Hornquist really puts a damper on their depth. God forbid, like a Paul Martin were to go down. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, well, that's the, they're, they're tapped out. Their depth on their back end is, is tapped out. I mean, they've lost Marta for the year. Um, for, for me, the, the trade away of Despray with Cole coming in is sort of a little bit of a wash. Um, I know they weren't the same trade, um, but I get there with it, and it's like they do have NHL-caliber defensemen there. It's just I don't think they've got the right six in the back end, even with um, Airhoff being out with a niggling injury, which I suspect is uh, concussion symptoms again, to be honest. Yeah, that's one of the key unknowns right now. Uh, Christian Airhoff's been mostly out of the lineup since he collided with Alex Ovechkin and got his initial diagnosis of a concussion. Um, he's he's a decent player, and they I don't know what his health status is at right now. Um, I, I don't think they I ever think explained why he left that game before it even started. They said he's got niggles, and he tried to go and couldn't. And he's not had a physical ailment through his time trying to get over his concussion stuff. So that's why my assumption, and it's an assumption, of course, that the reason that he sits is that reason, is it's his head. Uh, He went to get ready. He started to probably have headaches again or might have had double vision, and they just sat him. That is not good news for them. No, and if, if that's the case, you have to wonder about this team and their concussion protocols, um, considering the issues that they've had with this same problem in the past. And that's probably the most disappointing thing for me in amongst all of this is a team that should have it worked out. Um, if he's come back early, then there's some serious issues going on in regards to the way they diagnose concussion in that club. Yeah, without I don't I don't know the inner workings of their medical staff, so I can't even begin to speculate on it. But they have had players that have come back and then kind of had symptoms pop up again. Most famously, Sid. It's not, it's not even just that. I mean, it, it, it's smarter in regards to him coming early from shoulders. There's a history with this club in regards to rushing players back and. I know that, and we've discussed this before in regards to hockey players coming back early because they feel like they have to for their team. And I appreciate all that aspect of it, but you need your medical staff to be independent of that and actually understand when a player is not quite right and to hold them out that extra week to make sure that they are right. 
And that's been my opinion all the way. And it's not just Pittsburgh, by the way. There are heaps of teams that have players come back at, at 80% and then fans get on their case wondering why they're not performing up to the level. But this team needs Erhoff back healthy. Isn't Otherwise... The, isn't the favorite game after seeing somebody get knocked out of the playoffs is waiting for the, the injury list? It is for me. It's something I'm very interested in that because of, of There's what There's always I, at least four or five players from each team that... Yep. Hey, this guy had this, and you're like, yeah, no, no wonder why he's playing that way. And I'm always interested to know when he contracted that injury. I'm always interested to know when he sustained that to to work out how long he's been carrying it for, what he's been trying to do in regard. And I'll go back and I'll, I'll look at games and stuff to try and work that out. Because it's just, for me, it's interesting with with my, with my job. So it's always difficult because no one's going into the the playoffs healthy. It's it's the reality of it. And a lot of it comes down to luck in regards to who your players are that are close to healthy and who your players are that are actually struggling through an injury. And because Pittsburgh are, are extremely top-heavy um, in regards to their their forwards, if any of those guys are going in at 60%, Pittsburgh are going to struggle. Correct. And you, and you said they're top-heavy. And Rutherford did come in and improved the depth of the forward grouping this past offseason and during the year. However, just because they're better than last year's bottom six forward group, last year is certainly not the standard for where you want to be. No, that's so right. just because they, they are indeed better, are they good enough? I, I look, The fan in me looks at it and goes, if Fleury gets on a hot streak, which any goalie can, and Sid and Mel can play out of their skins, they can win the whole thing. But every team can say that about three or four key players. But that's what they're going to have to rely on is those big ticket guys have to play big ticket all the way through the playoffs. They can't really afford to have two games off. They might be able to have one quiet game each series, but they can't afford to have uh, any sort of run of quiet, particularly Fleury. I mean, this team may well ride on his ability to be not just average, but above average for a lot of the a lot of the playoff series. I would I would take average. No, I would in the playoffs from him. Yeah, that would, that would be nice for. He was average, he was average last year. But that's the thing. I don't think this team's got enough depth. If they end up playing against the Islanders, and I don't it, think. And it's eighty percent plus chance of that. Correct. So Fleury has to outperform Halak and somebody. Someone like Sutter needs to step up like, you know, apparently he did in in last year's playoff run. He needs to play above what he's played this year in the regular season for Pittsburgh to to get past a a very good Islanders team. It has flaws on on its own, but their flaws don't seem to be as large as what Pittsburgh's are. No, they're more spread with their depth. They don't have... They have a John Tavares. They don't have a a duo quite at that level, but for what they lack in that primetime duo, they um, they spread it a little more evenly amongst their forward ranks, which I think I helps w- them a lot. I wonder if... This is where it gets tough for, for Pittsburgh because they're tied to, to Malcolm and Crosby in regards to their, their top... Well, their, their 12 forward positions. If they get beaten by the Islanders in that first round and it's apparent that it's the four-line roster depth that does Pittsburgh in, are Pittsburgh going to have to look at a different way of constructing the roster, or do you think that bottom six can be remolded to spread some of the, the load off the top six the top six forwards? Yeah, you don't have to panic and overreact. Just continue to improve the bottom six. Not enough was done this year. Um, it's a work. It, it's certainly a work in progress, but at least they took steps towards it. And quite frankly, I don't think it's all that difficult to um, look at the free agent pool or, or maybe some lower end trades to find good bottom six players that don't make a fortune. They traded for one just this um, trade deadline with Daniel Winnick. Anybody okay. could have had him in July for a million dollars. Okay, let me, let me ask you a question about, about Winnick. I can't remember this. Were you advocating Winnick after what he achieved last year? Um, 
I don't think I did write an article about him. I did and, one on Santorelli, but not him. And the reason, well, there you go. Okay. The reason I ask this is that it's one thing to see what a player is doing now and comparatively to the, the year prior and stuff, but to this is where it gets tough when you're trying to do UFAs. You've got to try and see who is in that window that the, the Penguins require to pick up, and, and that's where I think the advanced stats – you've got a particular perception of what advanced stats need to be used to assess a player – and I don't think Pittsburgh are looking at those same, those same no, uh, facts. I, yeah, they're probably not, but that's okay. No, no, no. and that's the thing, though. You assess players a certain way, so it's like, what are Pittsburgh looking for when they go to the UFA market this particular off-season to try and fix that bottom six? So that'll be my biggest interest, because it's quite obvious that advanced stats have now become mainstream in regards to what clubs are doing it'll be interesting to see what direction teams go with those well if you're going to improve that grouping at all um you need two new centers because going into the playoffs i'd say the penguins rank in the bottom three or four playoff teams for sure with their bottom six center play with brandon sutter and max lapierre I just don't think that's a very good duo. No, I agree. I, I, I agree. And, and you look at what happens to this team if they get any injuries up top. How thin it gets down down in that bottom of six very very quickly. There's because there's you no bump Sutter up to the second organization line, what, what do you have left. You know, Craig Adams and and Andrew Ebbett have to, has to come up. It, you get there and there's no forward depth at all in, in this in this organization for a team that you know has gone all in the last three or four years so you, you have to lose it from somewhere and, and that's just the, the reality of the situation yeah but they didn't have to sign Sutter this offseason they could have seen the writing no, on the wall that's 3.3 mil that's just Zia yeah oh, look, oh, I agree you and I, you and I have the same opinion on, on Sutter there's a lot of people that will defend him um, and that I think it's just people look at the game in a different way in regards to what value in the cap era is for a player. So, you know, you and I will, will beat that dead horse and, until it's dead twice, I think. <laughs> but um, Daniel Winnick playing with Sutter has been actually, it's been okay so far. Um, Winnick is just a really good guy to have fill up minutes in your bottom six he's bigger skates well and he makes those little tiny plays to to keep possession of the puck keep plays going or just making a clever um little turn with his body to to make a baby saucer pass to to spring the center on the breakouts he he just does a lot of those little things nice that go unnoticed a lot and it does translate into his possession numbers because with Sutter they have uh Corsi 4 percentage of 59.6, which is incredibly, incredibly oh. good. But, I mean, yeah. it's a small sample of only 60 minutes that they've played together. Uh, Sutter, without Winnick, it goes all the way down to 48. The thing, the thing that's great about those little things that Winnick does is that it, it allows Sutter to, to do what he's good at, which is skate with speed with the puck. He's terrible along the boards. So if he gets caught in a board battle, inevitably he loses that battle, falls on his ass, the puck gets trapped in the defensive zone. At least with Winnick being able to win board battles, do those little tiny uh, outlet passes to allow Sutter to skate from the goal line forward with some speed, it allows Sutter to actually use the skill set that he's got. And Pittsburgh need to get as much out of whatever skill set that, that third-line centre has for them to go anywhere. So it's been a good acquisition in regards to bring someone in that can do do things well, but also help improve the play of players that were already on the roster. I wonder what he's going to want money-wise. More than Pittsburgh can afford with Sada and Spalling making what they make. I would give. I would love it to just keep Winnick at 2.2 mil. I think that would be fair. But then obviously it requires us to... To obviously ship <laughs> Sutter uh, out or Spalling out or both would be my preference, I to mean, be honest. Spalling has been okay. Yeah, but he's too expensive for okay. Exactly. It's just one of those things where you can find okay for cheaper. 
Yeah. You didn't have to, to seek his $2.2 million out in that trade, but they did. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not going to hold that against him. That's more of a management issue. He's been, I would say, a good fourth-line player. You were really happy once you got down into that fourth line. You, all of a sudden, you could see that he was where he should probably be slotted. But it's almost like... But on Malkin's wing was so infuriating to watch. It was... Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it is one of those things where I almost think the coaching staff sometimes get fooled into going, well, this guy's getting paid this much. He needs to be further up the lineup. And it's like, just have the coaching staff be independent of, of the cap management and just play the players where they filter in. And that is where um, Spalling has played his, his best hockey, is that fourth line center slash winger. I mean, he can play center and wing, so we should see. If I'm being completely honest, I'd, re- I'd, I'd like to see him take over the third-line center role for yeah. a few games and see what happens. Him and Winnick, perhaps... Downey on that right wing, but I. That all depends. What the hell are you doing with Bo Bennett? Well, what the hell are you doing with Steve Downey as well? He is a loose cannon. But we'll go to Bo Bennett. What the hell is going on with Bo? Um, he's being impacted by his usage, in my opinion. You play him with, um, you know, lower skill players. The output at least from an offensive standpoint, is not going to be there for him. If you put him with really good players um, in the past, it's his rookie year he played up with Malkin or Crosby, I believe, and he was a point five six or somewhere in that range point-a-game player, which is, you know, not totally lighting it up, but that's that's decent enough. And yeah, he's... He's going to be like a chameleon. Whatever line you put him on, he'll complement that kind of talent. So if you put him with lower-end players, it's, he's not going to be able to prop the other people up. He's more of a complementary piece on a, on a line. The, Do you get what thing, I'm saying? Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. Look, to, to be honest, I'm not saying he's anything like Phil Kessel, but you put Phil Kessel with talent, he will explode. You put Phil Kessel with average talent, and he's average. He, he doesn't... It's that situation. You put Bennett with good players, he will be good. You you put Bennett with terrible players that, that can't do anything with the puck, and he's terrible. Like, you can see there are situations where he'll pass the puck where someone should be, and those players just aren't there. So it's a straight turnover for Bennett. And the argument is, so don't throw the pass out there. But his natural instinct is to put the pass, put the puck in those situations for people to succeed. They're just not there. I mean, he's not he's not a Crosby or a Malcolm when it comes to how he thinks the game. So he plays by his instincts, and you know, a high level player would go, "Don't throw the pass out there; they're not going to be ready." So he's got a lot to learn still. Um, I think his confidence has been shattered since he got told he was soft and he needed to be tougher on the puck. And so there were five or six games there after he got told that after he got sat, um, where all he did was try and get the body instead of going for the puck. It happened. I never had a problem with the way he battled for pucks before. And then after this whole toughness uh, thing, he's, like you said, he's there but not focused on the puck at all. He's just throwing that body check because he needs to be tougher, quote-unquote. And I think it's hurt him more than it's helped him. Oh, it has. It's been terrible for him. He tries to go in and lay a hit where, one, he should be going for the puck, uh, so the puck just escapes and they go the other end, or he lays a hit and falls over. And then he's useless because he's on the ice and he's behind the play. So they've asked someone to be something he's not, and you can see his confidence is just getting further and further down. He's playing less and less minutes. It's almost at the point where you either have to bite the bullet and put him in the top six and pray that he him playing with high-skilled players improves what he can provide, or you have to sit him because playing in the bottom six is not getting anything out of the, the roster player, and you're better off, if you're asking him to play that more physical role, you're better off playing someone that can play it. Yeah, I just, I don't know you're why a, they... You're a, you're a Bennett fan, so this must be tough to watch. Yeah, because I know he has uh, great puck skills and a, and a good mind for it. Um, 
I just don't see the reservation of trying him with um, well when Malkin is back and and Kunitz, because um, Blake Como has done an all right job in that spot, correct? Oh yeah, you can't you can't. But that's because of usage. That's not because Blake Como he didn't magically change from with the player he was in Columbus last year with the low points and low ice time. He got put on a line with Malkin, and go figure. There's offensive results to be had. I think Como's better suited for a bottom six forward role than than Bo Bennett is, and I think Bo Bennett would go up, and I think he would go back to his uh, .56 points per game with Malkin, which, you know what? That's not too bad. Steve Birch of Sportsnet did a nice piece about what realistic expectations of top-line forwards are, um, and their points per game for a top-line winger was .65. So if you're at .56-ish, that's legitimate second-line production. If, if Because Koenig plays the left wing and Como plays the right, is Bennett a natural left or a right winger? Right. He, he prefers the right. So that once again, that would also put him in a situation to succeed. Correct. At the moment, I don't feel like the Penguins have put him in a situation to succeed. I don't I think they've really done that with any young talent on that roster except for Derek Puglia. And I think the only reason that's managed to happen is because of the relationship he has with the head coach. And injuries. No, no, I understand that. But Johnson has known how to handle him because he had him for four years yeah. in Portland. So that's worked out beautifully for the Penguins because they know what they've got in Puglia. And they should be playing now, but that I think is capitalized more than anything else. Um but I, I sit there with it and, and just go, you had a chance all – I know Bennett's been injured this year, but you've had a chance all year to just keep nurturing the kid and, and making him understand that he is actually a part of the organisation. And they've sort of failed in that aspect, I suppose. They tried to turn him into something he's not. Well, I mean, the article in the Pittsburgh Tribune the other day called out Adams and Bennett, and they <laughs> – alluded to the fact that they may call up AHL players to replace players not playing well. And I have no problem with that threat being made. I just, I, I don't think it should be limited to Bennett and Adams. Well, the Perry has done absolutely nothing. And you look at Sutter and I'd like to know what the Penguins value out of that particular position compared to what you and I value out of that position, because I, if you're looking at someone that, that underperforms in what his role specifically is, I, I think he's failing dismally no matter how many points he's the, providing, he's to a, be honest. They are using him in the shutdown role again, whereas last year it was Sid. And he's one of those big red bubbles on those player usage charts, which means he's not driving play when he's out there. And seeing as though the competition he's playing against is the highest, he's getting worked over by the, the other team's best players. And you can't have the other team's best players living in your own end because eventually you're going to get burned. Yeah, which, as we've noticed at the moment, I think over the last... I think since the trade deadline, the Penguins are averaging 1.9 goals a game. So... Well, this I'll say about them. <laughs> They are playing pretty decent hockey. Um, In the last 20 games, their score adjusted Fenwick is 54.5%. That is second best to only LA's 55.8%. So they're doing a really good job on the possession front the last 20 games. But they need puck in the net, dude. I agree, but it's it's a good indication that your process is going correct if you're getting more shots on goal. You know, the bigger the volume, the more goals you'll eventually score. They are in a rut right now, and they will get Malkin and Hornquist back, which will help things immensely. But without them, they're still, you know, moving the puck a little bit at least, and at least suppressing shots. That's important. It's, it's one of those things where not having – Shots against will, will benefit this team in the long run because, you know, as much as they've been up and down the last, I don't know, 12 games or so, and they've, they've you know, put in some stinkers, um, suppressing shots is important in the 
in the playoffs because your own offense production gets reduced and you get there with it and it's like, well, if you can limit the other team's chances for scoring, you've got a better chance of, of, of winning yourself. So I hate that negative approach to it, but it's the real, excuse me, it's the reality of, of the last couple of playoff runs um, with the way the Kings have played. Um, so you get there with it and, and hope that that turns. Chris Kunitz is probably a, a big concern for me in regards to scoring. I mean, what is it? One goal in, in 22 or 23 games. He yeah, is so snake. He's so snake bit at the moment. It's not funny. Hopefully he hits that game one of the playoffs and sometimes players' seasons change and, and they move forward from there. But it's it's been ugly. I'm not as concerned about him as, as a lot of people are. I get the goal thing. That's not good. That can't stay the same that it's been. He will have to start scoring for them to have success. But, man, he's killing it with Malkin on the possession front. Oh, I that's, mean, I've got no issues with that at all. But him not scoring is putting, well, more, a problem. Is putting more pressure on Malkin to do more and he doesn't have much more room on his ceiling it's the same thing with Crosby people keep asking for more and more out of the the top ticketed players and they don't have much more of a gap to hit their ceiling you know what I mean like you can't ask for much more from those guys the other guys are gonna have to start putting in I wrote about Sid today yeah I know uh he's gonna win the Art Ross having well I think he will if he stays healthy I, I do think he'll he'll end up winning it um with the lowest points per game of his career. How and many that, guys can have the lowest points per game of their career and have an Art Ross come with it? And the other thing with that is that Malcolm's second in that list for points per game. So you've got the Penguins with the two highest points per game players in yeah, the league. You, you have to alter your realistic... There has to be realistic expectations about the current state of the game and, and how you watch... And, the stars getting tackled on the ice and yeah. there's just not room for them. So if you have the top two points per game, guys, what more do you realistically want from them? Everybody's yeah. numbers are, are trending downward from an offensive standpoint league wide. This isn't. Um, and of course with Crosby and Malkin each year, they're going to start to regress offensively just because of age, but this isn't age related. This is the quality of the product on the ice. And you know, it's just, not a good time to be a superstar in the NHL. And I've written about that before as, as well in regards to the the league. It, all, it, it happens every year. It just seems that this year it happened earlier in the season and it, it's gotten worse in regards to interference, holding, tackling is probably a good one in regards to fighting for position around the net. It's just not getting called. It's just not getting called. So players have to fight through it. The problem the Penguins have got is that affects them more because they've got so much money tied up in their top-end players. They don't have the depth at the moment in that roster to cover for that loss of offense from those top-end guys. But they can't produce any more than they currently are. So the rest of the roster has to help them out. Yeah, I mean... Any player has the potential to go cold for a six, seven game stretch. Yep. You hope it's not the, you know, one of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. But the players don't exactly choose to go cold. Say they are playing good like Kunitz is right now, a driving play forward, and you, you just can't buy something right now. If that happens in the playoffs, no one's going to care. There'll, there'll be overreactions to that instead of just understanding that, that there's variance at play with some of this stuff. And, and it's like, not fun like, to think about it that way, you know, as a fan, but that's that's how it is. And it's, it's funny um, looking at it as well because it's such a small sample size in the playoffs that you can get panic reactions to... You know, Kunitz is 35. Everyone's saying he's a step slower and he's, he's not up to it. Those are the wrong Kunitz's case. And to be honest, if he was scoring more regularly, like, and I mean one goal every five games or one goal every six instead of one every 22, people would be off his case. Um, and he's probably going to have to score at, you know, probably one every four games in the playoffs if the Penguins are going to go anywhere. It's the reality of seven games here. Doable. 
It's doable. I don't think he forgot but... how to play. No, no, I know. It's just one of those things where he's been snake bit this year. He's missed open nets and he's had goalies make freakish saves in situations where previously he's not had to deal with that as a, a problem. So hopefully you get to that that new season and something changes for him. I mean, I don't think having the iron deficiency and only just sort of working it out has sort of helped um, the, the situation. So, you know, maybe he peaks at the right time. This is the hardest part for any of the fitness staff for all of these playoff teams is working out how to get the tapering right so these guys go into the playoffs fresh. And whether that's tapering down from a workload they've been given or grading them up into a workload to prepare them for the playoffs, it's such a hard challenge to try and work that out. Well, you know who I'm going to compare Chris Kunitz to? There's another uh, perennial playoff team that has great players up front. Uh, Chicago with Taves and Kane. Well, I'm going to compare Kunitz to one of their teammates, Patrick Sharp, who only has 12 goals this year. He's not playing so bad this year. He's shooting 5.9%. Well, that's not... Yeah. His career <laughs> average is 11.3, and he's been playing on a regular basis since 03. So he's a large sample size of being an 11.3% shooter. He's almost cut that in half. So what's scary about that is that if he actually goes back to his normal shooting percentage for the playoffs under the same theory that you go, new season for him, off he goes, that just makes Chicago even scarier, even without Patrick Kane. Yeah, and, and a guy like him will have to step up, much like a guy like Kunitz will have to step up for Pittsburgh. But I'm sure people are really worried about Sharp and Chicago for the same reasons. You're just not yeah. seeing that end tangible result that you want so badly but he's not really oh look at he, he actually scored tonight for chicago so good for him <laughs> so hey maybe he's heating up right time of year to do that exactly. but it wouldn't mean necessarily he's playing like better than he has at least by a significant margin no if his shooting percentage goes up he could play exactly the same way and everyone would love him so i get i get exactly what you mean he doesn't have to change anything he just has to get a little bit of that PDO luck more on his side rather than against. We'll see with both those guys. I, I, I root for, for both guys to get hot because they're, they're pretty good players when they get going. They're good to watch. Um, we haven't brought up your friend yet between well, the players, players, have we? No, we haven't mentioned him, which is great when you think about how long this <laughs> podcast has gone and we haven't mentioned him. <laughs> no, he's been good. Um, last 20 games the Penguins as a team have a 933 save percentage but out of those 20 games Flurry's probably played at least 16 of them I would imagine yeah well they don't seem to want to use their backup so that sounds about right um, he's been fine I think I mean I know he gave up the first goal on a shorthanded goal against Arizona but he's the only reason that team had a chance to come back into that they were terrible that first period. They were a mess. Mike Smith's the only reason they had a chance to come back in that. Well, I suppose deliberately tanking it into uh, Sutter's ass isn't a bad way to go about it. But No, if he stays where he is right now, they'll have a chance to win in the playoffs. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to expect with this team. I've gone into... Last year's playoff series, the playoff series before that, actually all the way back to 2010, I've gone in with a positive feel, like a good vibe about the team going in. This year it's entirely different. They're not they're not playing well at the moment. They're missing players to help them achieve that goal. They're not, they're not scoring at the moment, but they're not playing no. that bad. Uh, but the, the, the ultimate, and this is the, this is the one, I love advanced stats, but this is the one problem you've got. You can get there and be a great possession team, but if you're not putting the net if you're not putting the puck in the net when it matters, i.e. the playoffs, position That's true, but right now they're not healthy and they're still able to do the the good things with the possession. The possession stuff's going to stay the same when the better players get back. You're going to get the, the finishing abilities of Malkin and um, Hornquist. Hornquist and perhaps Erhoff and Pouliot uh, find themselves into the lineup as well. Those are two offensive defensemen that can help from the back end set the table for some of these forwards so I'm fine with them 
I, I understand why they're not scoring goals right now. I'm very happy about the possession, the shot suppression. They'll get some of these guys back, and they'll start to put more pucks in the net. I, look, I, I hope you're right. I, I think one of the big things about one of those offensive guys coming back in Erhoff, I think he's been brutally underutilized this year in regards to actually letting him release that cannon of a shot of his. Um, he does a lot of really, really good stuff in regards to the small Paul Martiny type of things, the little passes, because he doesn't have – him and Paul Martin have absolutely no leg speed anymore. Um, and they can get beaten um, on the rush if the like their decision making at the blue line when they're trying to keep the puck in the zone has to be picture perfect because if it's not, it's a breakaway the other way, and they both do that extremely well. But I don't think Erhoff has been given a chance on the power play or just in even strength to actually let that shot go very much. No, I thought he would get more power play time, to be honest, but it just hasn't worked out that way. There's been times when he hasn't even been on the second one. No, I've, I've noticed that. And it's it's one of those things where, you know, Derek Pouliot has really benefited from having Mike Johnson as his coach. He's put him in situations to succeed. Whereas, He's good, though. He's oh, no. he, can, he can go on the number one power play anytime and not look out of place. That's I, one of his I, biggest strengths. I totally agree with that. But it's, it's why the, the roster decisions... Um, when they hit the playoffs, is going to be extremely important. I hope Mike Johnson doesn't let other people push him around to go away from his decisions because ultimately it ends up on his shoulders if the decisions are wrong. So if people are talking him out of playing Pouliot because he's young, then he shouldn't be head coach. Well, how about the, the thing with Derek Pouliot? They send him down to make a roster spot for Andrew Abbott after Malkin and Hornquist went down. But Andrew Abbott's not going to provide anything from an offensive standpoint at all. Why not leave Pouliot up, play 7-D, and, and have Crosby, you know, play, he's actually got his lowest time on ice per game of his career right now. Give him a few more minutes. He can handle it. He's done it his whole career. Um, you know? Oh, look, I, I agree. It, it, that's the that's probably the big thing for me is that the minutes of the important guys of this team have dropped, unless you're, unless you're Chris Letang. Um, yeah. But everyone's sort of minute... And Letang's fit enough and healthy enough after he's got past his, um, <laughs> his heart aberration. Um to, to handle those to handle those minutes, but it's good to see Crosby and Malcolm's minutes have dropped because in theory, they should be right to play those twenty two or twenty three minutes come the playoffs. But it, not doing it now hasn't allowed Derek Pouliot to stay in the lineup. I think your theory is perfect in that sense. Well, look what happened in Arizona, five D the whole game. You can't plan for that. I get it. No. Like it would have just been convenient to have somebody like Derek Pouliot just slide right in, don't miss a beat. Are you really going to miss Craig Adams or Andrew Abbott in that forward grouping? Well, no, not with the amount of minutes they're playing as well. I mean, that's that's the other argument. So have some other players absorb it somehow. Give Winnick some more minutes. If you play him 16, 17 minutes, that's better than five, seven minutes from Craig Adams. Spread it across Spalling as well and, and Downey. Like, they've yes. proven that they're comfortable playing those guys. Not that you and Even I. Bennett. Play Bennett more. Yeah, that's not going to happen the way. No, but, I mean, that's what you could do with, with that approach. I, I, I agree. So, you know, it, it's – I suppose it's the it's the thing with the salary cap. It kind of handcuffs them at the moment. All that cap space stuff doesn't matter once you get to the first game of the playoffs, does it? No, not at all. That's when you can bring players up and everything. All right, let, that'll work out okay for them. Actually, speaking of the, speaking of the, the back six like we have been, I think Rob Scuderi has been terrible since the trade deadline, just watching him and whoever they've paired him up with. I don't think it's been particularly nice to watch. You, on the other hand, don't think he's been any worse. I think he's and, the same guy he's been. Yep, and then the numbers would tell us what. That, well, very limited 107 minutes with 
Ian Cole, he has 52.3% Corsi 4. It was actually 51.7 with Dupre, but we're talking a sample size that's six times larger with, with Dupre. Um, so the numbers so far haven't bore out that he's been worse, but I don't know if he's necessarily been better. The thing that the thing that sort of frustrates me with him being paired up with Ian Cole is that the spray could skate himself out of trouble, and he was always the release valve for Scuderi when Scuderi got in trouble. Ian Cole can't handle those bailout passes that Scuderi are throwing him at the moment, and that might just be because he's like, "What the hell?" What? <laughs> Maybe you know, so, but I agree with your point. Yeah. And, and so you get there with it and think about it and you go, right, okay, so I don't think that's a good pairing. Really, they should probably put Pouliot with Scuderi because Pouliot can skate himself out of trouble. He skates himself into trouble as well, but he can at least get out of trouble. Um, I don't think there's anyone else in that back end that can actually play with Scuderi. It's not an easy task. No, and, and they're not going to sit him. That, well, that's well, not like, if you're. It depends on what you're looking for. If you still view, um, if you st- still put value in the uh, safe defenseman that gets it high off the glass and out all the time, then you're not going to have a problem with Rob Scuderi. Um, I don't come from that side of the coin. I I want controlled breakouts because that makes you own the neutral zone, which makes you own the offensive zone, at least as far as entries are concerned, more controlled entries, more dangerous scoring chances. And it all starts from your own end. And I just think the ram it off the glass method is just such a terrible way of of doing things if that's your go-to as opposed to your last resort. But if he's... And the other problem with that uh, attitude to playing the puck out, if he's out there on the ice with Crosby or, or Malkin... How the hell are your skilled players supposed to get the puck to do anything with it? That's the thing that baffles me when you, you see Crosby and, and Malkin on the ice when he happens to be there. And they do try their hardest to avoid that. Like They do try to get Latang and Martin out there with their top six as much as they possibly can. It's one of the reasons why Latang plays so many minutes is you just go, it's a waste. You might as well just get them off the ice and roll them out on the next shift because they've got to go hunt the puck down and then work out what they want to do with it rather than having possession and giving it to those guys. It's it's the thing that ticks me off about the defensive defenseman that's only there to sit in front of the net and basically screen the goalie. Yeah, well, that's kind of what Scuderi does, or that's what he does more often than not, so... And they're not, and and it's all year they've wanted him back in the lineup. The Pennant kill's been okay when he's been out. That's what he's supposed to be there for to, to make it look absolutely brilliant. Um, you know they've got a goalie that's got you know a really good PK save percentage. He's starting to, to draw back down to you know league average, but that's still that's still perfectly fine for the PK. You just don't want to give PKs up. No, he's still above average. Is he? Oh yeah, he was so far ahead of. Um, what's realistic. He was the number one guy in the league for most of the year. He's still pretty close to being number one, except he was in the 930s uh, with his save percentage while the Penguins were shorthanded, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, and he's dropped down to like in that 915-ish area, I think, which is totally fine. That's actually way above average. Yeah. And it's, I have to admit, it, it's felt like that has been one of his strengths throughout his career. But, you know, he's even strength players has come up to average above average. So you, you can't complain about that with, with Fleury. So it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those situations where Pittsburgh have, got, have had two guys on their roster all year in regards to Adams and Scuderi that are basically there because the perception is the power play needs them. And when both of those players have been out, the oh sorry, the penalty kill. And when both of those players have been out, the penalty kill has not faltered or, or floundered. So they're they're stuck with them though. I mean, that's the reality, isn't it? Mm, yeah, they they're electing to go with him. So yeah, they're they're gonna play him. <laughs> oh, I don't 
I don't like pushing injuries. No, that, that wouldn't go down that road. <laughs> I I don't know. Will we even see Erhoff back to even make this an interesting conversation? True. That's so Tang Martin is your top pairing, one of the better ones going. Um, Erhoff Pouliot could be an option. That leaves Lovejoy, Cole, and uh, Scuderi. And I really don't know what they would do there. Probably Cole. It's one of those things where it, I think it should be Cole and Lovejoy and Scuderi sitting as long as Pouliot's in the lineup. But that's I think, the way I, I think would it do. would be between Pouliot and Cole, if Erhoff's healthy, to see who is out of the lineup. Yep, and it's it's frustrating to say, but it always feels like that's how it is for the Penguins. Injuries to dictate who they get to play. I read I read somewhere that the last. I think it's the last five cup winners have all been in the bottom five of man games lost. Yes, you did. So it's better to be lucky than good sometimes, and if you're both, then you win a cup. Pretty much. So it'll be interesting to see whether this year is different. Um, I'm not thinking. I'm not expecting it to be any different, to be honest. So you know, Pittsburgh might be going in with false hope. Well, they're going to have. A tough time in round one with the Islanders, who are very good. I think fully healthy, they could win in a six or seven game series for sure. And then their reward would probably be the New York Rangers, and I think that is just not a very good matchup for them. No, do do you think if you look at the the Eastern Conference, do you think the Rangers are the best team in the East at the moment? We're obviously looking to you know pushing uh, in. No, not definitively. I think Tampa's really good. I don't think you can overlook them. But they're certainly in that conversation. Because I, I think it's the Rangers, and then I think it's Montreal and Tampa. No, like Montreal. Right. Forget Montreal. I'm, I'm sorry, but if you've got the best player in the league for this year going around at the moment who can have such an influence on what your team does... But he plays the one position where if he does go down a tick, you can't hide it. Whereas no, if Crosby I, I, goes down I, a little bit, some some other guy can pick it up hypothetically if oh, Price is a goalie he needs to play at this all time level to float Montreal's terrible possession numbers I if have he no even reason. goes down a tick yeah no I know they're going to feel no, it I have no reason to expect him to do that though you're, you're exactly everything you've just said then is exactly right I have no reason to believe that Carey Price will suddenly fatigue and drop what he's been pr- producing all year Unless he gets like, unless he gets actually injured, um, I, I can't see. I, I struggle to see Montreal not making it to the conference finals. To be perfectly honest, I that's just there. It sucks because I don't particularly like the way they play. But that's the because there's a very good chance that if they end up on top of that division, they'll play Ottawa, and whoever ends up playing Ottawa will absolutely wipe them off the floor. Yeah, but they're not getting by Tampa. I don't know. I don't trust Ben Bishop. They're so good. He just needs to be average, and he's shown that he can do that. Yeah, he just he's streaky though. That's that's probably my problem. You don't want him to hit that. And this is coming from a person whose favorite player is Fleury. I might <laughs> add. Um, I, I'm well aware of the irony of me saying this. Um, they're gonna own the puck though. That's true, but. Pittsburgh have had seasons where they've held the puck undone by poor goaltending. So poor goaltending, I mean, not average. You know, I know. Well, look I, at look at what look at what happened to you know your dark horse for the the Cup Finals, Minnesota. You get someone that gives them average, well above average goaltending, and all of a sudden they're one of the hottest teams. If not all the of a sudden, their coach that was uh, getting fired is uh, pretty good again. Yeah, that's exactly right. And he, as you as you said, they were doing everything right. They just couldn't get a stop. So, the system was right. The process was correct. They stuck with their process. They believed in themselves, and they filled up a hole in the net. They put in a brick wall. Yeah, he's Dubnik's been a, just terrific for them. And the funny thing is, their possessions actually gone down from earlier in the year. They were <coughs> they were great. Now they're just. Uh, slightly above average and if they can get the possession back to where it was and 
have Dubnik playing this way, I, I that's going to be a tough out. They also lead the NHL in uh, the penalty kill area, which if you look at the cup champions from years past since the lockout, all the, all those championship teams pretty much had high-end penalty killing. Some had below average power plays, but their penalty killing was top end, and that's I, certainly that's one it. of the traits that gets you... Through. That suits Pittsburgh really well because their penalty, their power play is atrocious. It'll get better when Malkin gets back. Well, even when Malkin was back, they just... I know. They, I don't it, like their setup, but... No, but they've run with the same setup all year, so it's not like they've... It's done a few it's different what, looks, but I, I, they don't it, do simple well. No, I... I I just want that. the guy that has the puck on the half wall, get it to the defenseman on the strong side, have that defenseman walk the blue line hard. Either that top penalty killer is going to uh, chase him very hard to get in the shooting lane, and he'll get there, and then you can do a return pass to the half wall guy that will have more time and space. Or you beat him walking the blue line, and you get that nice shot on goal, and you already have screens in front. And just, you know... Keep going through the progressions to find out what you see. I don't see them going through progressions so much, and there's not a no. lot of movement either. No, that, I think that's the thing I've noticed over the past ten games, and I know that's had Malcolm out. Is that they are just standing when they were when they were awesome at the start of the year, everyone was moving, but that's a sign of confidence. Everyone gets stationary when you, you've got a lack of confidence, and it's really funny how you watch these highly skilled players and players that do well in five on five put them on the ice for the, the power play and obviously the pressure of them playing badly in the power play is playing with their minds because they've got no confidence to actually do any of the simple things aggressively or confidently and then they start overcomplicating it like it's nice to see Sid actually starting to shoot the puck um, from the circle now whereas earlier in the year he wasn't but I'd still prefer him down on the goal line yeah he's not with... a trigger man I mean sure he scores a few but that's that's where you want Malkin when he's yeah, back. Uh, Sid scores a lot of goal crease area goals, and you know put him there, he'll score. Because yeah, I'd I'd almost take Kunitz off. Yeah, the power when I Hall agree with that. And put I'd have Parent on to be mm -hmm. honest, um, just because he can he can work the puck in tight spaces. So my um, my top power play for for Pittsburgh would actually have. Uh, Latang and Pouliot with Crosby, Malkin, Perron. And so I you're think Perron can play the net front presence just fine. Okay. He's, he's got that um, ability to. He he has a very talented battle level in small spaces, and his hands are terrific. I'm sure he can get his stick on some pucks to to tip them in. Um, just, but he's great in the corner, it, in winning is. a battle and finding openings for players at even strength. When you're talking about a power play, it's even it'll play even more to his skill set. He can fetch pucks. The only issue I have is that Hornquist has shown he's been the best player for the Penguins in front of the net all year. You can year. put him there too. There, if you want to go one or the other, that's fine. But I, I, I would put Pouliot out there for it. I would. And on, on unit one, I think he's that good at doing that. Yeah, and sometimes that's been the Penguins' problem. His actual puck. Retrieval post a shot when they actually get a rebound, they can't. Well, if you have Sid down low, guess who's going to win that battle? Exactly. That's why him. It sort of ticks me off that it almost feels as though he's going, I'm playing the half wall and that's it. I'm not going to do anything else. So. I can't say that. I know the best players love that half wall spot. Do I think that he's demanding it? I don't. I don't know. But he certainly finds his, his way there, whether it's by design or, or not. Well, if he's not demanding and he's owning it because he gets there every time. He's not bad in that spot. I just think with Malkin That's, there, he that... can play that spot and become a, a shooting threat more so than Sid. It's just that I think Sid's, you get better production out of Sid on the goal line, below the goal line. Um, than you do with Sid on the half wall distributing to everyone else. You've got another distributor who has a trigger to pull in Malkin. It's like put players yeah, in the Yeah, there's no drop-off from no, that, Crosby that's to right. Malkin no. at the half wall, but there is an improvement at goal line play when you put Sid there. So you're not losing that's anything just... by making the switch. You're gaining stuff 
That sounds like a good idea. And there's an improvement in that shot from the half wall that can creep in off the wall as well. That's the thing that sort of baffles me. And you've said it before yourself. Sid is one of the best tippers of shots in the league. You know, his his hand-eye coordination is is fantastic. So you sit there with it and just think to yourself, why, if these guys are that um, egocentric that they want to force the hand of the coach to do that, then I think this team's lost. Well, we'll see. If that's the case. Well, I, I think we close how we started. We, we said Crosby, Malk, and Fleury have to uh, really be at the top of their games for, for them to, to do anything. And I don't know the likelihood of all three at the same time having that go for a month and a half. I don't know if that's a realistic uh, yeah, I expectation, agree. to be honest. Yep. I mean, they can't afford to be below... Sid and Malcolm can't afford to be below 95% of their their premium level for the playoffs. So that's tough to that's do. That's a point of game, at least for playoffs. Yeah. And yep. nobody... They're struggling to do that during yeah. the regular season. And that's against non-playoff teams included. Plus, you know the officiating's even going to get... <laughs> it's going to get worse. Come playoff time, they're going to have less and less space. I'm going to try and watch as many different playoff games this year as I can just to see what happens in regards to the playing style of these teams, in regards to what they're actually able to do. Because the Rangers are fast, top to bottom, ignore Tanner Glass. They're a fast team and they can skate. Now, if they start to look like they are slugs in the neutral zone then the league's slowed them down. It's not the players. The league will have slowed them down because they won't have allowed them to break out of the zone and there will be so much dragging them down. So that'll be the thing that interests me because if people usually get there and go, oh, this is so exciting, it's only because the games mean more. It's not because the quality of what we're watching is any better. I don't disagree with that. So, you know, Pittsburgh got to fight through it. Every other team has to. Yes, this is a league problem. This is not <laughs> Penguin-centric by any stretch. No. Taves got tackled tonight, no call. I think Rick Nash got tackled the other day. And I don't I don't see the... And I mean, I think Blake Homer got tackled as well against, what well, was it, Dallas, I think? And you get there and watch it and you go, how can an official see that and go, that's a hockey play? Perron's been buried and held down at like 30 second stretches remember when he was held down so long penguins regained the puck in their own end broke it up and, and scored on the delayed offsides ah, yeah. no, no no he got held down to start with and the official didn't give him a call so he ended up hanging onto the guy's arm and stick that was holding him down so and then the guy gave more of it back and then the penguins yes. scored a goal no no offsides because yeah, Brian was no. obviously in the <laughs> for a very long time once again, that's an example. If they called the penalty, that fracas gets broken up. It's done. It doesn't happen again. No, that's right. But because they get there and go, well, it's not affecting the play down the other end of the ice. It's four on four, and these guys are just being idiots. We won't call it. Call them both if that's the, if you want to do something about it. But don't just ignore it. This this whole the game against uh, Anaheim and, and New York yesterday. You know, I heard. Joe Micheletti go, oh, this has been a, uh, a great game. They've not called any of the, any penalties or anything. They've just let the players play. And it, it's like, no. Oh, they, no, they've don't... let the crappier players play and close yeah. the gap on the uh, really good Correct. players, which I mean, who the New heck York wants that? New York, New York looked like they dominated that, that game because the goaltenders were no good, but Anaheim actually won the possession battle. So, once again, if you get below average goaltending, it doesn't matter how well you how well you play, you, you're you going to lose, particularly against, against good teams. So it, it frustrates me that the league is allowing, is drawing parity into the standings by nullifying the top-end players. I mean, the NFL, you That's know, probably preaches, probably preaches too much offense, but um, the NHL do, do absolutely nothing to get the most out of their stars. The players that will rake in more money for the players in the league. Yeah, it's, it's 
it's going to be tough sledding for the the stars in a, in a month or so. Yep, and they'll do nothing about it, and you'll probably find that there'll be guys that are playing through groin injuries. Fans will get um, on the people that have the the low PDO or low shooting percentage. Yep. It's going to happen. Look at Rick Nash last year. Uh, look at how everyone loves him this year. Right? I mean, he's not playing much differently this year compared to that playoff stretch. He just didn't have the puck go in. He's still the same player. He's got a shooting percentage. But he was buried. <laughs> as he was Like he was some kind of scrub, and his possession was close to 60% in the playoffs. That's great. You can't ask for much more than that, except for having the puck go in. I mean, it's he the, didn't stop, the reality of the situation. He didn't forget how to score goals. He didn't stop being good. It just didn't happen. It's you know it's it's really funny you know you look at Jonathan Taves and he gets he kind of gets off light I reckon in regards to his lack of scoring at times because everyone recognizes the other stuff that he brings but he still pushes possession though it's not like he just brings the intangibles he still pushes possession so when he doesn't score it doesn't yeah it doesn't kill his line. And often he, and often he gets he's playing against chopped. the other team's better players, and he's pushing possession. Yeah. So he's minimizing the other team's best threats while um, sometimes actually doing some offensive damage himself on the other end. That's what makes him so great. He nullifies the other team's yeah. best, but then flips the script on them and, and does more of the uh, uh, offensive things on, on the ice when he's out there. But he only had three goals in like 22 games when they won their last or was it the first game yeah. they won or the, yeah no the second and, one and that's 2012-13 uh, that's kind of the point that I'm, it's kind of the point that I'm getting at say they don't win that cup everyone will get on his case for only scoring 3 and 22 so you can't win if you're if you're one of the you know top 5% of the the league the the rules are slanted against you and as soon as you underperform you know, your fan base gets on you. And particularly next year, him and Kane are going to be earning so much money that the expectations of what they... They shouldn't change, but they're them. going to. Yeah, correct. And, and that's the reality of it's the reality of, of earning that money. They're going to be expected to do an awful lot more, and obviously with less of a roster. Yeah, welcome uh, to how the Penguins have operated, except I trust the Blackhawks to do a better job with their depth selections. Hey, they recycled really well after their first cup. And they got rid of some really great players, and, and Bufflin and Ladd, yep. Kip Ryan Campbell. These are no slouches, yep. and, and they figured out how to reload um, through the draft and, and cheaper uh, depth players. And here, you know, they're Patrick Kane injury away from being one of the favorites again. I still think they're very good. Yep. I just can't consider them as much of a favorite without Kane. It's just... That's a tough loss. Can you can you pick a favorite? Just one team that you you go, yep, they'll they'll win it. You know what I mean. Predictions are screwed. Have you got someone at the moment you go, I'm confident? It's, it's going to sound stupid, but it's a team that might not even make the playoffs. I, I still just think the Kings are terrific, but they might not make the playoffs. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I I I would say. Um, I would. I was about to say, I'd say St. Louis, but then I still, you get poor old Brian Elliott still has that stigma of can't win the playoffs. So well, I'll say this: they get past um, the... They're good. I like them. Yeah, St. Louis. That is. Uh, we didn't pick either team in the East, did we? <laughs> no, um, but Tampa is a, is a team I like a lot. Um, New York Rangers with a hot Henrik Lundqvist can be a true handful. I think. Hey, they're proving to be a handful with Ken Talbot, so... The Islanders with a red-hot Halak, like in that 2010-11 year, was it? Or no, 09-010. Yeah, that was... Or 09-10. It was 09-010 that they destroyed, they destroyed, they destroyed the, uh, the Capitals and the, the Penguins' thought process. Yes, he did. Um, say he magically gets on that kind of run. The Islanders could be a real tough out. If Letty and Boychuk are healthy, yeah, 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 I don't know. yeah, yeah. They're, it's they're 
the East is extremely open. Penguins are going to have a really tough first round. And they, they could they lose in six or seven season. games, and people will call it a failure. And yes, technically so, because they, of course, want to go as far as possible. But they could play well and lose in the first round playing a team like the Islanders because they're also a very good team. The Penguins' record against the West is better than their record in their own division, mm-hmm. percentage-wise. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at it and go, have you set your team up to, to win? It's like, well, we have if we make it to the Cup Finals. <laughs> Got to get there. Yeah, so it's really going to be interesting to see the, the Penguins in round one, that you really could get anything. And I would not be surprised yep. by anything. Totally agree. Anything else? Uh, no, I think we've I think we've covered off quite a lot. All right. It'll be interesting to see when Malkin gets back. I, for one, need that to happen just from an entertainment standpoint. I, I really miss watching yes. him play. So, hopefully, he skated yesterday at practice. Uh, I think he may miss tomorrow's game against St. Louis, but should be back by the weekend at the latest, I would think. Well, and that's he. I think the the big one there is hopefully Hornquist can be back with three games to go, so that they can sort of get some cohesive play together through that time. Yeah, they got um, St. Louis on Tuesday. And then, who do they have Thursday? Carolina, little Jordan Stahl. Hey. And then they got the uh, Coyotes on Saturday. That'll be a fun game, uh, hopefully with oh, Malkin back great. in the lineup. You know, it'll be a win-win for that game. Penguins will get a regulation win. Coyotes will be thrilled with it. So. <laughs> Tag Nation. So. All right, well, that's it for... Uh, for us this time, uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time.